Good morning. I'm going to try down here today. I think this, I like this. I see why you do that. It is, it's nice down here, more connected. All right. We're going to start off today in Matthew 26. So I'll give you a chance to get there and then we'll open in prayer. Matthew 26, starting in verse 33. So this is the very end of the Last Supper. And it says, Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Jesus had just told them, scripture For Scripture to be fulfilled, the shepherd's going to be struck and the sheep are going to scatter. So you guys are, you, you my disciples here at this Last Supper, you're going to be scattered. Peter's response to this is, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. And then we jump down to verse 56. Jesus says, but this has all taken place. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane at this point. He says, this has all taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this word. Lord, thank you just to, just your presence and just the joy Lord, that you've just brought this morning. And I pray, Lord, that this word is exactly what you want, has the impact you want it to have, and is for your glory, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Title of the message today is Never Say Never. And I'm using that as a little play on words. And I'll share a little um, an analogy with you. So back in the day, uh, I'll share you, it's a, you know, sometimes we use sports analogies or we use current event analogies. I'll use a movie analogy for you. So back in the day, the, the actor Sean Connery played James Bond. And after several movies, he said, I'm never going to do that part again. He was very frustrated with it, hated it, said, I'm not going to, never going to play that character again. And about 12 years later, he played that character again. In, in, in the last movie that he did of that franchise. And they titled that movie, Never Say Never Again, poking fun at him declaring that he would never play that part again, and then he ended up doing it. And I'll contrast that with another actor, uh, Matt Damon. He played a series of character Jason Bourne in the Bourne's, Bourne movies. And after the third one of that, he had a horrible time with that third movie. He said, people ask him, are you ever going to do a fourth one? He said, give me 10 years. I might want to in 10 years. And 10 years later, he did a fourth one. And I give that as an analogy because one actor was so frustrated in the moment and said, I will never do this again. And then things changed over time and he ended up playing the part. And the other actor realized, had the self-awareness to say, I'm frustrated right now, but things might change. So give me some time. I'm open-minded to it. I might come back to the role. And did exactly what he said. Ended up being 10 years later. 
message today revolves around three, what I'm going to call three images of self. Who we wish we were. That's one of those things we see about ourselves. Very universal for human beings. There's that person that we wish we were. We all have that thing we wish we could change about ourselves. Well, most people do. If, if you don't, that's, that's great. But you're, you're quite the rarity if you don't have something that you want to change about yourself. Then there's who we really are. And we know that there's a, there's a gap between who we really are and who we wish we were. That's, that's pretty simple. That's, that's, that's basic. Yeah, we know that. Then there's this troublesome one that I want to talk about today. Who we think we are. And the gap between who we think we are and who we really are. And that is just as universal, just like everybody can relate to the, yeah, there's somebody, there's, there's this other version of me that I wish I was. These things I wish I could change about myself. The version of me I wish I could be, but I know I'm not. Just as universal, our human nature says, lies to us. And we think we're, we think we're at a, a point or a place that we're not really. We think we're that person that, and we're not really. That gap between who I think I am and who I really am. And the only one who truly knows who I really am is God. And sometimes, along the way, uh, any of us, our Christian walk, he has to show us that distance between who we think we are and who we really are. And that's today's message. What do we do with that? So we're going to look at Simon Peter, as an example today. I'm not picking on him at all. It's actually, this whole thing that he goes through is actually really relatable. should be for all of us. Because Jesus is telling him, and I'll, I'll walk you through this, uh, this story here. As I'm going through this, though, I hope that it, my prayer is that, there's, that, it, that it hits you in a way that I would never be able to tell. Yeah, I don't, I don't know every, I can't see inside your mind, I can't see inside your heart, I don't know every minute of your, uh, of your past or anything like that. But I, I believing and praying the Holy Spirit will speak to you in a way, make this relatable in a way that I never could. The thing I will bring up is, I know a lot of, uh, I've been this person and I've known plenty of people that you mean well, but there's been plenty, I've seen plenty of people over the years take on something or declare something that they just really can't live up to. You've been around church for a while, any church for a while, you know there's some people that say, no matter what, I'm going to be a part of this church. And then six months later, what, whatever happened to so-and-so? Have you seen... Have you seen them around? Have you? Not that they're bad people. They just they just took on something they 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 
thought they were at the, they were sure at that time that that's what it, what they were going to do and say and couldn't live up to it. So I hope this strikes you as relatable as possible. I'm going to start off with the Last Supper. So Jesus warns Peter and all the disciples, like I was saying, he says, hey, the prophets are going to be fulfilled. Shepherds are going to be struck. Sheep are going to scatter. That means you guys. You, you my disciples, yeah, you're, you're going to, every one of you is going to abandon me. That's kind of rough, sitting at the Last Supper, hearing that. I thought we came to Jerusalem to, for you to, like, take, take your kingdom and, and, you know, overthrow the Romans or something. What, what, what are we doing here? He's already, he had already explained to them what the Messiah is supposed to do, but uh, they, that, that was not what they had in mind. And he specifically tells Peter, Satan's demanded permission to test you. He uses the analogy, he's going to sift you like wheat. If you're harvesting wheat, there's useful parts, and then there's stuff called chaff that's useless. And you have to sift it, shake it, to see what's what. Find the good stuff and separate it from the bad stuff. You can't always see what's what until you actually shake it and put it through that testing. And you find out what's what. And Jesus says, Peter, Satan's demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And Peter says, across the Gospels, Peter's response to this is, I'm ready to go to prison and to die for you. He says, I'm ready, I, I'm ready to, I, even if I have to die, and other, other accounts, as you read all, all the accounts across the four Gospels, I'm ready to go to prison and to death. And to paraphrase Jesus, Jesus' response to him is, you think you're that guy, but you're not that guy. You're not ready for that yet. How would you, how would you like that? You're sitting across from God saying, God, this is who I am. And he goes, no, you're not. You think you are, but you're about to find out you're not. But I've prayed for you that you're going to make it through. That's reassuring right there. So they go to the Garden of Gethsemane, and this mob of armed people come. Jesus even says, did you come to arrest a criminal? They brought a good-sized group of people armed, and they confront Jesus. And Peter, you know, I I appreciate what he's trying to do here. What does he do? Pulls a sword, strikes the high priest's servant, cutting off his ear. Peter's going to take on an entire armed mob by himself with a sword. He, he, you know, he claimed and he struck the high priest's servant. That'll get you arrested, get you in trouble. And you think, well, okay, you know, as far as Peter fulfilling what he said, he's off to a pretty good start. Yep, you're you're doing a pretty good job getting on your way to prison and getting on and uh, and or death. You're, you're off to a good start here, buddy. He pulls that sword and strikes the guy. Jesus heals the servant. I, I sometimes I was wondering preparing this. Did Jesus heal that 
uh, servant's ear for the sake of the servant or for, for Peter's sake to not be char- not be criminally charged. I don't know. Probably both. But it's it's really it's interesting to think that. But Peter is given his best shot to fulfill what he has declared about himself. But it's his words, not God's words. He's not trying to fulfill God's words. He's trying to fulfill his own words. This is what I. This is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. And Jesus tells him, "Stop that. Put your sword away. Don't live by the sword." Paraphrasing here, but Jesus does even specifically say one of the accounts. I could call twelve legions of angels if I wanted to. He says, "Look, I could stop this if I wanted to, but I'm not going to. I'm going to go through with this." And I have to kind of appreciate Peter's position at this moment. I might be, I'd be a little confused too. Because Jesus is the one in the Last Supper that told them to take a couple of swords with them. And then he's the one telling them, don't you, don't put your sword away, don't use it. And I can kind of appreciate it. I'm like, I might be a little confused too. Why'd you have me bring this if that's not what we're doing? But in reality, God will take us into situations where it's like, I, I've obeyed God, but I'm not 100% clear on what we're doing here. I know I'm following the Lord, but his plan doesn't make sense to me right now. That's true, but that happens. We like to have kind of a fun little fairy tale that we say God's ways are higher than our ways. We say that. And then we say, I don't understand. God's plan is not making any sense. Something must be wrong. But we just said God's ways are higher than our ways. We know that. I'm going to give an example. I'll give you, I almost hesitate to give this example, but I really believe it's a valid example. We put quite a bit of work into the Henderson location. And then God moved us away from it. And we could say, God, why'd you do that? And then we realize that prepared us so much for what we need to do here. That was God's preparation and training and testing, preparing us for what we need to do here. But if I just look at it with my human eyes, I'd say, oh, that felt like, that felt like a waste or something. Why'd you, why'd you tell me to bring the sword and then not use it? Same thing. Tested our our obedience, taught us things about how to work through things, prepared us for what we need to do. If I'm just following God to the extent that I understand, I'm not really following God. I'm filtering it through my own understanding. And that's going to be a problem. God is not obligated to make sense to us. He never promised, he, he's not, he, he doesn't, he's not under no obligation for us to approve his plans. So Jesus allows himself to be arrested, and Peter and the other ten, obviously Judas was with the crowd, so the remaining ten and Peter scatter. Just like Jesus told them, just like the scripture prophesied, and Jesus said, this is going to happen. And they said, no, it won't, and yeah, it did. So now the trial. 
Jesus is arrested, taken to the high priest's house. It's a pretty chaotic scene. And Peter and John are, as far as we know, the only ones that go there. We, all, the, all four Gospels have an account of Peter. We just know from the Gospel of John that John was there and he knew somebody at the house and was able to get in. But Peter has to stay outside. And as things go along, some of the servants, a couple of servant girls and another person, start recognizing him. Weren't you with that? Didn't I see you in the temple with that with Jesus? Or didn't I see you around that Jesus guy? You've got an accent. You sound like you're from the same place he is, same area. You must be one of his. And Peter denies it three times. Denies. I don't know the guy. Goes as far as cursing, calling, you know, I mean, swearing that he is, and cursing even, that he is, does not know this person, does not know this Jesus. How did a guy go from, like, an hour ago, he was going to take on a whole mob by himself, and now he's shying away from servant girls who are asking him questions about if he knows this guy? It's not really how did that happen. It's, don't we all do that at some point? There's going to be some point in our life. We, we human beings are pretty chaotic. There's some point in our life where we're ready, when it's, as long as it's our plan, oh, we're, we're, we're ready to go. But when God says, no, I'm doing this instead, we lose a lot of courage. Like I like I liked my plan. I had a sword. Now I'm now I don't know what to do. But Peter said, "I'm ready to go to prison and die for you." Here's his chance. He can walk in and say, "I'm with this, this Jesus guy, this guy that you're beating. I'm I'm with him. You need to treat me the same way." He he, he wasn't ready for that. It's it's uh. I hope I hope this hits you the same way. Uh, I hope it hits you the way you, it needs to hit you. That hey, it's easy to make your plan and say, "God, I'm trusting you to fulfill my plan," versus saying, "God, I'm trusting you in your plan, even when it doesn't make sense to me." It was real. Peter was comfortable with that sword, but now it's yield. And submit to God's plan, and ooh, he wasn't ready for that. So he leaves, weeping bitterly. He's crying. He's weeping bitterly. He's feeling the weight of he's denied the Lord three times. He just a few hours ago said he would go to prison and die, and he can't even admit. He can't even take a beating. I wrote down here, sometimes you have to lose a fight in your own eyes to win it in God's eyes. Peter needed to go through this to become the apostle he ended up becoming. Jesus prayed Peter's faith would not fail. Peter keeps going. He becomes an apostle. He failed in a way 
that stripped down his pride and stripped down his way. Failed in his own eyes. We're going to go through and see did, if did he really fail in God's eyes, though. Satan demanded permission to test Peter exactly at this place where Peter thought he was strong. That interesting? Don't we tend to think Satan's going to hit us where we're weak? Where we think we're strong in ourselves is where we're weak. That is our weak point. I will refer you back to last week's Pastor Chad's excellent sermon on pride. Yeah, that. Where we think we're strong is where we're weak. That's exactly where Satan wants to hit us. We, we boast in ourselves and Satan's like, let me at him. I, I, that's exactly, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit them right where they think they're strong. And just knock the wind out of them. Believers trying to enact their own will is some of the worst damage I've ever seen. People trying to say, trying to prove that they are who they claim they are, trying to enact their plan is some of the worst harm I've ever seen come to believers. So how do we avoid that? We don't want to do that. What did Peter do that worked? Because um, if we're going to walk through this, something worked for Peter. It, the, the end of the story is, is encouraging. We're trying to enact our will and God says no. We can either say, okay, God, you're right, or we can start blaming others. So I'm going to give you four points in total of what Peter did that worked. How to, how to understand this never, this never say never about yourself. First thing Peter did, he admitted it. He wasn't the guy he thought he was. He goes away weeping bitterly. I'm glad it doesn't say that he went away blaming others. Glad it doesn't say he went away blaming God, blaming his circumstances, blaming... It doesn't say he went away and tried to figure out, tried to go to somewhere else to do the same thing. He wept bitterly. He took... He's like, that. yep, I failed. No excuses. I said I wouldn't deny him, and I did. I was wrong. And he weeps. Not blaming not trying to avoid the reality of it. Just, yep. He felt it. And I encourage you, because all of us in this Christian walk are going to have these moments. Going to have this, I thought I was past this, or I didn't, I didn't realize I was that person. I thought I was better than this. I have, I have sat with very godly people I love and respect, and still love and respect, who have said, I can't believe I handled that situation that way. Over the years, it, it happened. You get, you, get, you get to know people in the faith, and you sit down with them. They, they, had, they had some sort of outburst, or they had some, something happened, 
When they did something, they're like, I thought I was past that. I didn't know that was even in me anymore. Yeah, that's human. That's relatable. I loved and respect I loved and respected those people before and I love and respect them after that. Maybe even more because the honesty of it. Saying, yep. I didn't think I was that person, yeah. But God's going to take all of us through those times of and he loves us and he sees clearly the whole time. He knows who we really are. He's like, Okay, I'm gonna show you. Give you a glimpse. If he showed us all at once, we'd all be overwhelmed and discouraged and give up. We would. So he shows us in little bite-sized pieces as that's part of how he grows us in our spiritual walk. Shows us, takes us through seasons of showing us. And you think you're past this, but you're not. Second thing Peter did. He ran to God. And you say, well, no, wait a minute. He went away weeping and he did but then there's that time where he's back in the boat and Jesus is on the shore and they say hey that's Jesus there Peter jumps in the water and starts swimming he doesn't even wait for the boat to get to the shore he cannot wait to run to God he jumps in the water ahead of everybody else the rest of them are like we're still getting this boat in what do you <laughs> Peter just takes he, he cannot wait to run to God They have not yet had any conversation of Jesus restoring Peter yet. Peter does not wait for that. He just runs to God. He loved God. For all Peter's faults, he loved God. He runs to God. Runs to Jesus. And they have a... I'm not really going to go into all the details. I recommend you read the, the whole conversation that Jesus has with Peter. I'll circle back to that in a minute. But the third thing I want to point out, Peter takes correction. Even when he's a big deal, when he's the Apostle Peter, he still takes correction. See, we, we talk sometimes about Peter being afraid of the of the servant girls or being afraid being afraid of the people there and we and it's tempting to say oh when Jesus, when you know when Jesus restored him and then you see in acts Peter preaching winning thousands and the miracles he was past that you know he was afraid of people then he then he's not and if you were writing a movie script you know you'd show that story arc and then you'd roll the credits at, at the end there and say, look at the transformation he went through. Never struggled with it again. Except he did. Paul writes in Galatians, I had to confront Peter to his face. I'll read Galatians 2, 11 through 13. When Cephas, another name for Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back, separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belong to the circumcision group. Wait, why did he draw back? He was afraid of what people would think of him. Sometimes in our lives we're going to, praise God, I overcame that situation And yes, God helped you with that. I overcame that flaw, that issue, and then a little while down the road, 
Ah, you tripped over it again. And like, I thought I was past that, and I failed again. It says, the other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. A little context here. You know, what, what big deal? Gentiles, Jews, what, what are they talking about? So the early church really kind of had to wrestle, really, not just kind of, really wrestled with the idea of these non-Jewish people called Gentiles are getting saved. Do they have to become Jews or do they just become saved Gentiles? Do they have to practice Judaism or can they just become Christians you know, right away? Quite a, quite a controversy. And one of the apostles had this amazing vision of God lowering down this, uh, like this almost canopy-like thing with all these unclean animals and says, kill and eat. And the apostle says, no, I can't do that. They're unclean animals. And God says, don't call anything I've made unclean. And who, what, what apostle was that? That was Peter. <laughs> so the guy who has, who got the, the guy who knows better, the guy who got the vision of sharing the gospel with the Gentiles, and they're not unclean. The apostle Peter, who, I, James was the, I would call him my half-brother of Jesus, he was the head of the Jerusalem church, he was biologically Mary and Joseph's son. James sends some men, what's Peter doing being afraid of James. James didn't believe that Jesus was the Christ. His own brother was the Messiah until after the resurrection. Peter was on on that boat before then. He, Peter was a, Peter is a really should be a very big deal and really should not be intimidated by anybody's opinion here. But he is. He is afraid of what people think. So Paul confronts him, and I've have to point out the fact that Peter actually seems to accept this correction. And in Peter's letters, he writes later on, defends Paul. Says, I know some of Paul's writings are a little hard to understand, but he, and he goes, describes him as his brother and describes him as, and, and defends him from the, his critics. I'm picturing a lot of arguments, even in the church, where where somebody in Peter's position would not accept correction from somebody in Paul's position. Who are you, rookie? I was preaching the gospel when you were persecuting the church, Paul. Who do you think you are correcting me? You see how it kind of, it's a kind of, this is kind of lopsided. Paul wasn't really fully what we think of as Paul at this time. Peter would, would really have been the, the big deal. And Paul's really still kind of, eh, I don't know, I don't know if this guy's really going to be an apostle yet. This is remarkable that Peter accepts this correction. So that's, that's the third thing. Peter admitted where he was wrong. He wasn't the guy he thought he was. He ran to God. When he did mess up and struggle again, he took correction. Fourth thing, he learned. Rather simple fourth point, but very important one. 
Peter learned in both of these occurrences. In John 21, where Peter jumps off the boat and just runs to Jesus, Jesus has this conversation with him that restores Peter. Peter had denied him three times, and Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? And that's what we, can, what we, what we call you know, Peter's restoration. Jesus asked him a very interesting question. Because before, when Peter at the Last Supper was saying, I won't deny you, he actually says, these other ones might, all these others might deny you. Who are the others? You know, the other ten, minus Judas, so ten. These other ten disciples might forsake you, but I never will. Backhanded way of saying, I'm better than them. In Jesus' question, I didn't realize how Jesus asked his question, but Peter shows up on the shore and Jesus says, Peter, do you love me more than these? The the other disciples are there. He said, do you love me more than the rest of these? And Peter's answer is, Lord, you know I love you. Doesn't even go near the topic of whether he loves him, uh, whether he loves him more than the others. Not going to say that. Peter doesn't even go there. He's like, nope. It's like, Lord, you know I love you. Just going to leave it there. Not going to declare I'm better than anybody now. Peter's been humbled. And Peter's letters are full of perseverance, humility, and not being afraid of people. The very things that he had to struggle with and learn are what the letters that are written towards the end of his life are exactly about. And he's sharing what he's learned. And as I mentioned, even defends the Apostle Paul from his critics, the very one who had confronted him, not just confronted him to his face, confronted him in front of people, embarrassed him in front of people. But Peter took it. So that's where, those are, those are the four things that we need, we need to wrap our heads around if we are going to end up with Peter's story arc here. Going from, you're not who you think you are, Peter, to what's the end of his story? And I'm going to actually go ahead and invite the worship team back up. I'm going to go ahead and close in this last this last bit here. You don't mind a short message when there's a little bit of a, a smell, do you? You're okay with that? <laughs> it's not my preaching that stinks, I promise I want to point out here, Peter's statement at the Last Supper, Jesus is telling the whole group, you're going to deny me, you're going to be scattered. And Peter says, not me. Prompt, seems to prompt the other disciples to say, because then it's, it says, first Peter said it, then the rest of the disciples also said, no, we won't deny you, we won't abandon you. Paul specifically says Peter's hypocrisy with the Gentiles led others to stray. If we, times where God is showing us we're not who we think we are, we need to be aware, we need to be responsive to that, or else we can cause, we can hurt other people. We need to be very sensitive to when God is saying, 
I know you think you're good at this. You know, I know you think this is your strong characteristic. I'm going to show you who you really are. We need to respond to that in the right way or else we can not only hurt ourselves, we can hurt others. And in Matthew 21, so Matthew 21, I'm going to read 28 through 31. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. And I'm going to tell you, at first you might think, how does this apply in this message? Bear with me. Jesus says, what do you think? He's asking the Pharisees, give me an answer here. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and he went. Father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. So one son says, Father tells both his sons, go go to work. One son says, no. But then he ends up doing it. The other son says, yes, sir. Doesn't do it. Which of the two did what his father wanted? Pharisees say the first one. Jesus says, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. God says, I'd rather you actually do what I want than say you will and not do it. And if we don't understand who we actually are, and we're acting on who we think we are. We're going to boast about things that we're gonna that we're gonna do, and then not end up doing them. I've seen plenty of people over the years say, "I am going. I am so committed to so and so ministry, so and so church, so and so this or that. I am this and that and this." Like we we're talking, like last week in the pride. I am. I am. I'm all. I'm all of this, and then and never live up to it actually seems to, to fail catastrophically as as though they're inviting Satan to say, hey, that's I, I demand permission to to test them in that. I'll give you an example. I'll tell myself a little bit here. So a situation came up right pretty serious kind of in, intense situation. And I, hand, I handled it really well. I'm very happy how I handled it. Yeah. What do I start to think then? Now I start, now I would tell you, well, you know, God, God helped me handle that. I start to think, look how far I've come. Yeah, look at, oh, look how I handled that situation. I handled that, that, that conflict and everything. And then some silly little misunderstanding happens and I handled it terribly. And, I, and we're like, and we're back to reality. There we are. And you have the Holy Spirit working, on, speaking to me, saying, "You know, it was it was me who helped you handle that. It was my grace that you handled the serious situation." And I'm letting you, I'm letting you see where you're really at on this little thing. And the whole time, hey, I'll, the Holy Spirit say, I'll, "I'll work on you. I know who you really are. I love you. I'll work with you." But I'm just giving you a little reminder of where you really are and not as far as you think you are. All right, Lord. Yeah. 
Yeah. What and what do I do there? These four steps. Admit it. Run to God. Don't run away from it. Take that correction and learn from it. I'm going to close with this point. I'm going to ask you to consider the challenge today here, the objective today. Be open to what God wants to show you. There are areas we don't want any person to tell us we're wrong. But God's always got to be able to tell us that we're wrong. we always got to be able to accept that. Here's the good news. What kind of guy was Peter at the end of his life? How did he die? He went to prison for following Christ. And he died like Jesus did. Church history actually tells us he even he insisted on being crucified upside down because he refused to be he was unworthy to die in the manner his Lord had that's the guy he wanted to be all along he wanted to be the kind the guy who's going to follow Jesus to prison and to death and he ended up being by the end of his story he was the guy he wished he was I hope that encouragement sinks to the deepest parts of your hearts today Stick with God. Let Him work on you. You can in, you can end up being the very person that you have that desire to be for God. Yeah, you can be. He'll lead you there. So I'm going to invite everyone to stand while they, we close with the worship music. But if you need prayer, you need prayer about this. You need prayer about anything. You can come up for prayer. If you need someone to come to you to pray, we'll come to you. But don't miss an opportunity to pray this through. If anything you're struggling with, anything anything you want to stand in for someone else on, we're praying church. Feel free to do that. Come forward. to what he said about himself he did not fail to live up to what God had said about him he did exactly what God said about him you're going to you're going to deny me but I pray that your faith won't fail and Peter's faith endured he came back to God he ended up being the guy that he desired to be because God had put that desire in him I'm going to pray a blessing over us. We'll close. If you said, hey, I didn't feel comfortable coming up before, but I need prayer after, always feel free to do that. I've, I've been that guy. I've been the guy that just couldn't come up when I should have, but had to come up later. That, no problem. But let's, let's, uh, let's close out in a word of prayer. Lord, thank you so much for the hope that is in this, uh, this word you've given today, Lord. You so much, Lord, for Lord for the encouragement and the, that you've done through this, Lord. Pray you bless everyone as they go today. 
pray your, your blessing and your safety, your protection, Lord, on them. And thank you, Lord, for this church family. It means so much, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.